0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices.
2: Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is the shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Jarrell Martin, former power forward for LSU a couple years back, he subscribes to you should as well. I had to give a quick shout out uh, to LSU. Reference one of their better players of the past decade. Obviously national champion LSU Tigers in football. I severely doubt that's going to happen with the Will Wade team that they have. But Jarrell Martin subscribes to you should as well. Check out the website at barnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feat is and make sure to follow the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open these curtains. done with bc bc basketball you done
1: i'm i've been i am very done with bc basketball and I, mean, I want to go back to Jarrell martin in a second but if i'm going to take the podium at this point then i'll take the podium on bc i am so done with this team they 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 sneak a win against uva midweek last week you know they get three and one in the acc conference they're out of conference record sucks so like people that have actually watched the team play, you know, they're terrible, but somehow they're three and one in the ACC. So there's a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope just sitting in there. And you know that you have a game at home in Conte forum in the raucous Chestnut Hill on Saturday coming up at home. Was it raucous? I'm being sarcastic, but just roll with me here. So Saturday in Chestnut Hill, it's a night game. You're playing Georgia tech. All right, Georgia tech. They get blown out at home. Like, you want people to respect you, and it wasn't just this. Like they are begging fans to go to the game. They're literally giving fans two tickets for for one. Like they're just handing out tickets. They're giving people that didn't even go to BC. Say you went to UMass. Say you went to Suffolk Knights. Say you went to Tufts. Say you went anywhere. If you just paid five bucks, you could get into the Conte Forum and watch this game. BC is three and one at the top of the conference, and they blow it. They get blown out at home. So I, I am so dumb with this team. They haven't made the tournament since I like two thousand eight, right? Two thousand eight. So it's twenty twenty. Like if I, let's say, uh, hypothetically, I was a freshman uh, when they made the tournament last. Hypothetically speaking, let's say you know I, I uh, you know, impregnated someone that evening. That means that night, it's, that it's kid's is, that kid's a twelve-year-old now. He's yeah. a twelve-year-old. You know, he's going, he's going to a, he's going to the middle school dance. He's going to the semi-formal. I'm giving him the speech. I'm t- helping him tie his tie. That's how long it's been, and we've stunk the whole time. We haven't even come close. We're just saying there's only been two coaches, Steve Donahue. You remember him? Of course that, I do. Remember that stiff? He was one of them.
2: He's back the, in the Ivy League like, now. Jimmy
1: Christian is still coaching this team. I, I, I can't even grasp it. We plug, we grabbed Jim Christian out of like some bum school in the Mac. What what are we hiring a Mac coach in the first place for? And like, we keep bringing him back. Let's run it back again. Let's get blown out here, blown out there. I I, I can't even – his bio it's not even that bad. Get rid of him right now. Throw everything you got at Thad Mata, and let's do this thing. Because we got Jeff Halfley running the football side. We got a coach there. Let's go get Thad.
2: I feel like I just—I feel like I just picked a scab, and the blood just came gushing out. I I didn't even prep that either. And it's like I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of just
1: thinking. Oh, you know what? We're young. Look at look at Kai Bowman. He's in the league. Look at uh. Don't forget about uh. You know, Jerome Robinson, lottery pick. Like well, who He
2: might a be ball? a bust. Yeah, he's a bust.
1: It's just like we've had, we've had these – Olivier Hanlon, he can play. We've had so many different versions of this where we just stink year in and year out.
2: And well, so the, the reason I brought it up just for the, the listener, just BC that is, is that they put up 13 points in the first half against Syracuse Well, on their way to getting their ass beat. But, I, I mean, it's not like it just came out of the blue. Everyone pretty much knows BC basketball sucks, and I didn't want him – to think that this was just an arbitrary question that I asked to lead the show. 13 points and a half is just putrid.
1: Thanks. I know it is. I, I, I'm, I, why are we even talking about this? Like I'm so far off the bandwagon at this point. I don't even want to come close to the bandwagon. Get me as far away as possible from this team. And there needs to be changes done. I don't know what the hell we're waiting for. But anyways, go back to your initial point, LSU, um, Drell Martin, Good squad there. I almost actually plugged from that team LSU that whenever they were thirteen or fourteen. Um Jordan Mickey didn't really pan out too well for the Celtics, but the real guy I wanted to point to, Keith Hornsby. Remember that guy?
2: Oh yeah. Tough. Was this was this the year before Ben Simmons came in into Baton Rouge?
1: Yeah, because the uh, Martin and um, Mickey were the two guys that like they, they ran the offense pretty much. That was all they had. And they're pretty good, too, because they had the oh, they had Mickey and uh, Hickey. They had the small little point guard, too, that went to Oklahoma State afterwards. Shout out uh, Hotard if you're still listening to this big LSU guy actually was in New Orleans for their um, for the national I'm, championship. I'm like, I was, I, was telling this. I, I don't know. Say you're an LSU fan. Say you go to the game. Say you're in New Orleans. Can we? Is it possible to have a better night than that? No. Will you ever have a better night? I don't think you can.
2: Well, and they've been able to do it three times over the past, like, 13 years.
1: Yeah, it's just, I mean, you're at the right age. Day, but you're, yeah. you're in the right age of your life. Like, you're old enough, and you got money you can actually spend, and you, you're, it's in a city that all of the fans are going to be there, and it's an incredible win. It's the greatest team in college football arguably uh, ever. You arguably can argue. Ever.
2: I'll give you, I'll give you arguably. I still for some reason I no, I shouldn't say for some reason. I'll still take the 01 hurricanes. That team fucked, especially with the amount of professionals that they had on that team. BC almost beat them that year if it weren't for Ed Reed, actually. So there you go. This comes full at, circle. I was at that game too. I was
1: at that game. But all I know is if I was in New Orleans that night, I just would have been pounding burden. Uh, also a little warehouse district. Don't sleep on the warehouse district. Get on Choppatulis, head over to Lucy's, have a good time in New Orleans. I love that town. I love that town.
2: Well, we'll be there in a couple of months, actually, for our friend's wedding. That being said, though, I want to revert back one more time to Jim Christian because the episode that you were absent for last week was right up your wheelhouse. All the teams that you've put your your, your fingerprints on that you've laid claim to, they won. They were doing well. BC, this was right after the Virginia game. And Taylor and I had a discussion about Jim Christian's future. I basically said, if he doesn't make the tournament, I think he's done. At BC, and I I spoke on behalf of you saying that I think Christian. Uh, or I spoke on behalf of you and saying that I, I'm pretty sure the shark wants him gone. Like yesterday, that's got to, I mean, You just reiterated that, right?
1: Uh, I I don't I don't think there's any BC fan out there that thinks he should still be coaching the team. Um, I think this is the year he's canned as well. Uh, there's, there's, what the hell is Taylor talking about? Why would we want this guy? What has he ever done? It's the worst resume I've ever seen in my life.
2: Well, I think he, he wanted to reference your standard as a basketball program with BC. And I was trying to tell him, like, oh, look, a, a I,
1: perennial big East powerhouse in the early two thousands, winning the ACC in their first year that they were there. I don't know. It's pretty good. Once you culture yourself there, Taylor
2: it was a while back.
1: You're hot today though. Oh, it's like people have these comments about BC basketball. Like we're a bunch of scrubs, Uh you know, the ACC wanted Boston College. All right. It wasn't just like we walked into a party that we weren't invited to. We were recruited to go there because we were running the Big East. Troy Bell getting his number retired soon. Craig Smith, Jared Dudley, all those guys—they were dominating the Big East. They'd go in anyway. Look, They'd I defended your
2: honor. I defended your honor. I understand, yeah, it, Father.
1: Like the and the, the reason it all fell apart was like Al Skinner just—you know—he hit a certain age where he's like, you know, I don't give a fuck anymore, and like the team kind of just sucked. And we limped into the tournament in 08, 09. We had Tyrese Rice. We had, like, just kind of limping around at that point. And then we died with Donahue. Donahue came in. And
2: uh, those Donahue years were incredible. I mean, and he he got the job strictly because of that Sweet 16 Cornell run.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's at Penn right now. He's actually doing all right. But, Christian, like I want, I want to stop talking about him, but you're making, you're making me think of all these different things I can't stand about. Him. He wears, all right, so he's on the sidelines, right? Every his suits are, and his wardrobe is just so disgusting. Like, have some pride in the way you look. He wears, he wears white tees underneath his collared shirts, and they're like wrinkled um wrinkled neck white tees so he just looks like a slob like, what's the dating commercial right now where the guy with the v-neck and his his collar is just completely shriveled down i know what you're talking about yeah, on you, you guys you guys just that <laughs> <thing>. that, <laughs> yeah. that's jim christian on the sideline and he'll wear like he'll wear a gray blazer with like you know but i can't even think, i'm not a very well-dressed man myself so I'm, i don't even know what i'm saying right now but it doesn't match it looks terrible and he sucks as a coach
2: I, I agree. Yeah, he does. There's not much else to say about that. Uh, let's talk about last Saturday, though, because I wanted to go on this endeavor. I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to tweet out every single Division I basketball game wherever there was theater. And that took a lot of prep time. What it meant was going on to the ESPN score app and looking at every single game. And this was the first time I decided to do all Division One, and it was on a Saturday. And I should have known that like every single fucking team plays on a Saturday. And what I decided to do was look up not only just tweet theater in blank, but also look up each team's hashtag. So that's not necessarily just saying, you know, hashtag Boston college. I'm sure BC has some sort of ridiculous hashtag. Uh, And it was, it was very arduous, a lot of hard work, but I was able to stumble upon some gems and some of these social media guys, uh, the, The teams themselves, maybe they give themselves these these hashtags to fire themselves up, to use as a rallying cry. But some of them are just so outrageous and so good that I want to present them to you. And I think what we should do is discuss which one of these four. Yeah, no, five. I have five here. Which of these five are the best? So I'm going to start first with North Alabama. Their hashtag is stalk and ambush. Kind of gives off a little bit of a rapey vibe. Uh, Troy. Take the stairs, and there's there's a full quote uh, from the head coach that led to this this hashtag, and it's Scott Cross. He's the head coach, and he says, "If there is a flight of stairs in an elevator right there, you go up the stairs. There's no reason to wait thirty seconds for an elevator when you could be moving your feet. Those who take the elevator are looking for shortcuts, and at this level, there is no room for shortcuts. Incredible coming from a guy who coaches Troy basketball at this level. I mean, yeah, he, he's at the D1 level, but Take the stairs. Don't ever take the elevators. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy even went a step further and like just had all the elevators in the facility on campus. Just sh- shortcut.
1: He clearly subscribes to the opposite theory of Winston Churchill, who famously said, "Why sit? Why stand when you can sit? Or always, always sit when you can stand, or vice versa, or whatever it is." Um, so Scott Cross <laughs> clearly doesn't look. Look up to the, the great prime minister there.
2: But see, the thing is, I feel like Scott Cross, and I'm only basing this off of the one quote that I just said and his mantra of take the stairs. He feels like a quote guy. He is one of those guys that in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, he has absurd and useless, non-pertinent quotes plastered P- all over the wall.
1: Like a P.J. Fleck.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, that that resulted in P.J. Fleck going from Western Michigan to Minnesota to winning whatever big-time bowl. I mean, he's got results to prove it, but Scott Cross, on the other hand, is in Troy. Uh, but the point I'm making is I feel I like, like – it.
1: I, I like take the stairs and do it. I like to take
2: the stairs too, but I think it's hysterical because you bring up Winston Churchill. I, I almost guarantee he's quoted Winston Churchill at, at some point in his coaching career.
1: He does probably have that in his arsenal, but I like to envision conversations between guys like P.J. Fleck and a guy like this Scott Cross guy where – you know they're just meeting for the first time, and they probably just communicate entirely in cliches and corny, corny little catchphrases. Where if you were a neutral observer, like some guy just watching that conversation, you would have no clue what the hell they're talking about.
2: Off the top of my head, it reminds me of the Austin Powers scene where he finds his dad shagging two girls, and then they just talk in like their British colloquialisms.
1: Yeah, basically talking gypsy amongst each other, like uh, Tommy Shelby would do on Peaky Blinders, and every once in a while.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So take the stairs for Troy stalking ambush at North Alabama. This one's right up your wheelhouse because your, your personal mantra is for, I don't know, the past 10 years has been chop wood. Idaho state has saw wood. Hate it.
1: I, I like there's
2: you, you told me
1: this one beforehand why would you do saw wood when you can do chop wood? And the only reason I can think of is they're trying to just differentiate themselves from the greats like Jack Del Rio and Greg Ciano and the shark who lived by chopping wood. Uh, So you, you want to saw wood. I mean, why saw it when you can chop, there's nothing more metaphorically built into working harder than taking a nice ax and chopping wood and looking at your results as it happened in one big swoop. Or you got to work your ass off to chop that wood.
2: In this case, you're just sawing at it. I mean, sawing. Come on, we well, work. Is so that's that's my question. I've never chopped wood or sawed wood ever. Uh, but is this kind of like the take the stairs mantra? Is is sawing wood easier than chopping?
1: I would say so. Chopping wood's more of a masculine, manly type thing, I, I guess. Taking the stairs would be the corporate white collar version of chopping wood for the blue collar guy out in the woods i've chopped wood with uh with the with the chief we did it out in the woods in east tennessee back in when, uh, back in the day we used to do that to kind of clear our head get ready for a big week you go out there you chop some wood you have some conversation you get after it
2: hang chopping. On, that, wood. hang on that wasn't a, a like team building mandatory activity you guys literally for an no, activity to relieve some stress chopped wood
1: Yeah, it was our it was our crew. We'd get out there, you know, have to reset, get back to neutral. We'd go out to the woods. We had a we had a guy that we were connected with. Uh, We'd go out. We'd help him out with some work around around his compound. And one of those activities was chopping wood. So we all chopped wood. If you met any of us, chief, me, any, uh, you know, like who else contributes? Ziggy. He contributes. Ziggy, low contributes. All those guys. We've all chopped wood.
2: I'm just throwing a dip next time, but uh, all right, Saw Wood. We know your stance there. Austin P. I'm sure some people can imagine where this is going, but I just think it's hysterical. It's let's go pee. Simple, fifth grade elementary humor. Is this what your generation considers humor? Oscar Wilde. Yes, it is
1: great refi to not another teen movie right there hopefully whoever's listening can pick up on that one right there the guy that's speaking in the class and they fall through the ceiling on the toilet you know the scene i'm talking about oscar wilde good um but yeah let's go p that's terrible how is it we're out here we're supposed to be winning basketball games not trying to get cheap laughs all right so got the- a
2: cheap laugh for me
1: uh, but again, we're not aspiring comedians here. We're trying to be a 15 seed and take off someone at the top line this year. All right, Austin P. So let, let's stop making jokes and let's let's figure out how to uh, run an offense.
2: Last but not least, up in Berkeley, Cal. Theirs is hashtag invest and attack. I just found this funny because I, mean, I don't know who invests before they attack. Like it's plan and attack or get set and attack. Some, something a little bit more aggressive than invest in attack but another reason why this was so funny is because it's so fitting i mean just the thought of investing it's it's like a meticulous word for the students and it's so appropriate for the cal bear students
1: yeah you got to play to the crowd right there so the the crowd's like oh investment now now that you put it this way maybe i will come out to the game this weekend and watch them beat washington without quad a green maybe i will invest in this team because anything that, you know, looks like something that can provide some upside and, you know, I could be a venture capitalist in this team, whatever they're playing to their, their environment, they're playing to their demographic. And
2: I kind of like it. So let me, let me get your best hashtag out of all these five stalk and ambush, take the stairs, hate it, take the stairs. You said you like take the stairs.
1: Uh, It's just like two, I would like take the stairs if I was, um, like joining a mid-sized company in a mid-sized city, I'd, I'd like take the stairs. And my CEO was like a former, uh, you know, former division two slash three football player. And I was some mid-level associate. I'd be like, you know, I'd take the stairs. I I could listen to this guy. But at the division one level, come on,
2: don't let it. Wood. would let's go pee, invest in attack.
1: I'm going to go with invest in attack because it's the one that fits fits the environment better than anyone else. Let's go pee. I mean, come on. Let's mature it up a little bit here, right?
2: This well, is division one. The answer here is take the stairs, especially because of the explanation that we got. Now, I'm sure the other four had explanations, but take the stairs is number one because it's just such a, I mean, everyone knows the term football guy. This is just him. There's no such thing as a basketball guy. I try and make that make that case. It's If you say someone's a basketball guy, that's pretty much a cry for like my sport, like my sport. Uh, Scott cross is trying so hard to be a basketball guy. And that's why I find the the great humor in it coming in right behind them at number two is North Alabama with stock and ambush. But again, just a little too rapey for my liking. Uh, so there were just some hilarious hashtags. And uh, I don't know if I'll be looking at those throughout the rest of the year, but I did want to get some of the best ones that cr- came across my mind. Oh,
1: Take the stairs. It's like advice you would give to someone in a nursing home, you know, or someone coming off a work related injury, you know, it's the exact day.
2: opposite advice you'd give someone in a nursing home. Well,
1: no, you want to stay active, take the stairs if you can, you know, the, the people in the nursing homes, they get wheeled around everywhere. But every once in a while, if you take the stairs, it could be good for the heart. It could be good for the, uh, you know. The legs for the muscles get them moving, take the stairs. I, I'm with it if we're there,
2: but that, that's how you end up with a patient on in the front of uh Happy Gilmore's car just screaming, Get me out of here! You're the Ben Stiller of, of nursing yeah. care managers.
0: I,
1: to be honest, I kind of liked his approach in that nursing home,
2: <laughs> ran
1: a tight ship. Yeah, he did
2: so. <laughs> uh, did you also see last Saturday the St. John's Davidson game by chance that went to overtime?
1: Yeah, the fat guy with the three.
2: Unbelievable shot. One probably, I think that's going to be the best shot we see all year. I think we climaxed last Saturday with Ryan Daly hitting one of the most absurd shots you'll ever see to force overtime in Davidson. Davidson ended up winning, but St. John is this, this short, thick point guard. Ryan Daly, uh, or St. Joe's, excuse me. He kind of reminds me of Sean Astin, right? The guy from the Lord of the Rings. He's also Rudy. Rudy, I, yeah. He's also the the brother in fifty first dates with the lisp. Kind of reminded me of Sean Aston. And about three minutes before he he hit that ridiculous shot, I tweeted, Who's this, you know, short, stocky, compact, you know, nougat-filled point guard for St. John's? Two minutes later, he's coming down with one foot behind the three-point line. It was almost like that Patrick Mahomes t- touchdown to Travis Kelsey where his, like, one foot was dragging behind the line of scrimmage. This is exactly what Ryan Daly did, except he flung it towards the hoop, hit it, and and forced overtime. Truly one of the best shots I think we'll see all year. Do you think it was
1: intentional? Do you think, like, he kind of staggered his feet like that? Because I've watched it a million times, and I you can – he leaps off one foot, I think it's his left foot, prior to actually releasing it with the one-handed shot. Uh, I like to believe in the savviness of some guys, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to err on the side of it being intentional.
2: Absolutely was intentional. The presence of mind. Announcers love saying that shit. The presence of mind to keep your foot behind the three-point line. And actually, the initial reaction was, and the initial call was that they waved it off. And so I think the reaction from the entire bench and even Daly was like, "Oh shit!" Well, gave it a good effort. Ball went in, but obviously my foot was on you know on the line. Then they looked at it. Incredible change of events. Well, Uh, he deserves a lot of. I mean, he's not just some scrub out there either. He no, he's good. He's their best player. Yeah, he's by far their
1: best player. He's averaging you know almost twenty eight rebounds for a six foot five guy and four and a half assists. And at the time of us recording this right now. Saint Joe's, who's three and thirteen this year, is actually beating URI, uh, a the fan the team favorite of a recurring guest, Scarred, who I'm upset with about not giving us the information that Jeff Dowden was not going to play prior to this start of this game. So, Ryan Daly, he's a pest. He's one of those guys. He, we we all know him the Tom Coverdales of the world that you just don't want to see on the other side Brad Davison is going to be one of those guys in the tournament this year as well and I know I'm just listing stocky white guys and I'm not trying to play into that but hey sorry
2: uh, oh, no I kind of like this rabbit hole who else we got Jerry McNamara no is Jerry, he stocky
1: Jerry was quick I mean Keith Hornsby yeah, Keith Hornsby is pretty stocky, <laughs> thick, uh big shots big shot hitters uh but, yeah, I, I know I tweeted, I'm not going to do it again right now. Wisconsin, they're going to make the Sweet 16, and Brad Davison is going to be a thorn, just a little thorn that
2: you just can't get out. That that sequence that he had against Maryland? Oh, God. I mean, that, that was perfect. That was perfect Tursion, actually. And it was also a perfect white guy for Wisconsin making incredible plays. So if you didn't see that uh, – Maryland has the ball up one with I think six seconds left, or maybe like 10 seconds left. And they're inbounding under their own hoop. And they come out of a timeout. Maryland turns it over. They they threw it in bounds. Brad Davidson got a piece of it. And then with the inbounder still out of bounds, Davidson pushes the ball to him and it's off the Maryland guy, Wisconsin's ball. To to produce his next act, Brad Davidson comes off of a basic screen. And hits a three-point shot to give Wisconsin the lead and end up winning the game. Obviously, that was a great play from Davidson, great two plays. But if that doesn't encapsulate Mark Turgeon's tenure at Maryland, I don't know what to, those two plays. He I, I truly don't think that he drew up a good inbounds play at all uh for, for his players. And then right after that, like, do his players know to stay with the man off the pick? Do they know to switch? It was. Such a meltdown, and Maryland cannot win on the road. Those are your boys. I'd like to point that out. Your boys.
1: They're still my boys. No Big Ten team can win on the road this year. I, open your eyes. Literally no Big Ten team can win on the road. Can you can – you well,
2: I, I don't know don't yeah, know. Big Ten teams I mean,
1: schedule. That, That's a big theme this year. No, none of them can win. Maryland, I still like them a lot. I like that team. I think Turgeon, this is going to be the year for him to break through from – beyond the sweet 16 I'm thinking like that team if they get the right path I, I kind of like it I like Jeff Smith I like Cowan I like Ayala I like um, Wiggins I just like that team um, so I don't know, I'm not going to jump to conclusion I thought they should have they played pretty damn well in Madison it's not easy to do that I mean all you got to do is look at the other teams in the Big Ten they can't win anywhere Michigan State got pounded by Purdue Michigan got pounded by Minnesota like that people I think losing. Thanks, yeah, yeah. People are losing left and right. So for Maryland to go into Madison and probably should have won that game, I like it. I like that team.
2: Well, I don't. I think Mark Turgeon is just the yeah, epitome well, you're of, you're, an, you're an idiot. Like you got, I'm not. You keep getting proven wrong. No, like, see that's 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 incorrect. Well, I got they, I got I got Illinois and they,
1: they don't like the pit. Like everything that you touch
2: turns to poop. Every team Louisville,
1: that you crown games crap. But they're that okay. I, I mean I mean
2: first of all, first of all, I have I declared Seton Hall as the big East winner and back in August. You didn't, as as, you didn't go as far as I want. No, I'm not gonna go as need, far I, as you want. I
1: need you to acknowledge that I am the guy. You're like if we're if we're all on a like uh, a little caravan, you know, if we're bar crawling right now. I'm the one out at the front of the bar crawl that has my phone out directing us where we're going to go. When are we going to turn left? When are we going to turn right? You're just following behind me. me. It's me and Miles Powell and Kevin Willard. We're at the front of that bar crawl.
2: Yeah, see, I'm not I'm not with we're, Kevin Willard. If I'm on that bar crawl, I'll go into the bar. I'll dap you up. I'll say hi to Miles Powell, and I don't think I'll talk to Kevin Willard at all. Although, he's coming close to to making me change, change my mind because that's a hell of a win that he you had. See he, you see what he did tonight? Yeah. he, he straight win against Butler on the road. I, I agree. But uh, back to my predictions, uh, you're just you're just going to toss me under the bus about Underwood? You wanted to hop on that bandwagon two weeks ago. I,
1: I, full disclosure, audience, I did ask respectfully, Asked when the Underwood and Illinois train. Uh, am,
2: I, am I accepted? Am I allowed on the train? I like the team. I love Underwood. Am I on? Yeah, I can't deny uh, access to people who want to get on the Underwood I'm train. All, I love off. this team.
1: I'm off the Underwood train when they're playing Wisconsin and Maryland I want, and Michigan State, so I want to be clear about that.
2: Noted. All right. But Underwood has his boys ranked for the first time, I think, since 2014. Something crazy like that. Sure. Yeah. That's why they brought him in. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, though, I got a new nickname. So last week I had a nickname for uh, Luca Garza. At Iowa, launch Pale Luca. This week, it's the the scissor, and that goes to produce Matt Harms because I've I, I mean we know who Matt Harms is. He's been on the team I think now for the past three years. He was basically behind Oz, Isaac Haas, who's just a beefier version of of Matt Harms, but he is the scissor because every I mean he just looks so sharp and pointy, and I feel like I'd get a paper cutter, a really deep cut, having one of his elbows bang up against me down low on the block. Matt Harms, who had a great game against Michigan State at home, the scissor. And he's also one of those guys. He's one of those over exuberant guys where he'll throw like a fist pump. And you got to really, you got to look where he's at and where you are in relation to him. Otherwise, you're going to get hit. You're going to catch a stray elbow and you might get a black eye. Do you remember that scene last year in the tournament? He was going crazy. And Carson Edwards basically just stared him down and looked at him and said, calm down, please.
1: Yeah, I was probably at the game against Tennessee. I was sitting in the upper deck. Was it that one? I mean, My I goodness. hate that. I hate Harms. You, know, you have a good comparison on the sitter. He does look for a great point you would never want to play pickup with because all you have to do is just catch like a a random finger and you might be bruised for about three weeks because this guy plays very active and he's actually he's kind of developing an NBA game too this year because he can he can shoot a little bit which has not been present in his game for a while. Uh, But I I can't stand the guy just because of exactly what he's saying. He's super, hyperactive, very intense. Um, I wish he played for my team, but
2: can't have it. Matt Harms, too sharp, too pointy. Uh, Other news and notes from last week, Clemson and Baylor. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Clemson and Baylor. We'll start with the Bears first going into Lawrence, Kansas. I think they won for the first time there ever. Uh, And what a resume the bears have. Now they climbed all the way up to number two in the country. I personally think that they should be number one, especially because of their resume compared to Gonzaga's, but they went into Kansas and pretty much handled them from about the five minute marker in the first half, five minutes left in the first half onward. Baylor just beat the hell out of them. And these bears the thing that I love the most about them is that they can defend. Early on in the season, they did not have a good defense. That has changed. You go into Lawrence, Kansas, and you stifle that that Kansas offense. Granted, Dotson was out yeah. and, and injured. I, mean, I, I understand that. I mean, but it's a massive granted. I, it's it is it's huge, but still, those are those are the games that that teams lose to Kansas whenever whenever they go wow. into a good Kansas. Uh, they play a good Kansas team in Allen Fieldhouse. Teams, despite Kansas losing a player, still end up losing those games. Baylor exercised like 15 years of demons.
1: Yeah, it's easy to exercise a demon when the demon's not even playing in the game. Like, he's, Dotson's by far the most important player on Kansas's team. Don't tell me, Doke. Don't tell me, Doke. I know you're you're trying to do it right now. He's not. oh you Doke. Yeah, I mean, you can see you I think right. like, Dotson is by far the most important player. He didn't play in the freaking game. So of course like I mean, he 70,
2: did come back.
1: The 1700 Guards that are on Baylor are going to do well in that game. So I don't get me wrong. I do think Baylor is a good team. I've liked them and I will give you credit right here. You have been on Baylor since the start of the year. You that team impressed them when they play. But this is not the best team in the country. They're not. Uh they're just not. I think they're gonna definitely be a three or a two seed uh, when the tournament time swings t- gets here, which is actually starting to creep up on us, fellas um, or ladies, if you're out there. Uh, <laughs> but I, there's not enough there. I really, their only, their go-to scorer, I guess, is Butler yeah. for Baylor. You need a bucket. You well, need and they, they don't
2: even have a healthy Tristan Clark, though.
1: I mean. I, tweeted, I think I tweeted it out for them. I said they're deeper than a Lou Malnati's. I mean, Baylor is a deep team. So I just struggle to put them in that top echelon with the Dukes, Gonzagas, and Can- healthy Kansas. And I know Duke. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ready to put them in that echelon, actually. And so I don't think that they are the best team in the country either. But we have this discussion all the time, the difference between best team in the country and who deserves the number one ranked spot. And I think based on resume, based on how they handled Kansas uh, on the road, they deserve that number one spot. Kansas, I I still think, is the best team in the country, as a matter of fact. Uh, If you were to ask me who's going to win the title today, I would probably put my money on Kansas winning it all. Yeah, I would
1: kind of lean that way as well, and I don't want to get lost in the Baylor talk. The win, no doubt about it. But last week, I thought the better win that they had was going into Lubbock and beating Texas Tech. I watched that entire game from start to finish. Texas Tech at home, you yeah, coming off a loss, and they responded and book every punch and counterpunch then throughout the entire game, and there, Texas Tech. And that guy, that was probably on Wednesday or Tuesday night, they were getting so many absurd shots to fall. Their guy, uh, their freshman guard, Jamius Ramsey, spelling Jamius in just an absurd way with a hell of an apostrophe in there. But he was lighting it up for Texas Tech, and Baylor was able to respond with everything. So I'm very impressed with him. I Honestly, I kind of just wish Baylor still had Makai Mason one more year. You know, someone that can just control everything, get people in the right spot if you can. Makai hit big shots, and I, I'm not sure – there's too many guys on Baylor. Someone needs to emerge.
2: I just don't think that Scott Drew has given us enough in terms of his tournament resume for me to put hundred percent faith into him winning a national He's title. Been good. He's been good in the tournament. How many of you many talk people? about Makai Mason hitting big shots. His biggest shots came against Baylor when he was at Yale.
0: Yeah. So, true.
2: I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the well, point that here, I am I want to didn't they lose to another Ivy at some point too?
1: How when did Scott Drew get there? Because I have them in the they made oh, the Scott Elite. Drew's been
2: there, I feel like I was just gonna I feel like he's been there for 15 years now, 14 years.
1: I got him there oh yeah, even longer. Seventeen years. Holy crap. So he's in the seventeen years that he's made the Elite A twice, 2010 and 2012, the Sweet 16 four times.
2: That's pretty good. No, I, I yeah. agree. I, I think that's 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 solid for a team that's pretty much pretty much known as a as a football program. Speaking of Scott Drew, how do you think Bryce Drew feels? You got your brother over there who's just I mean, is this the deal that he had to make? It's like, hey Bryce, I'm going to let you have one of the greatest shots of all time in NCAA tournament history, but you're gonna be a complete bum on the sideline, get fired at Vanderbilt after like two or three years. Meanwhile, your brother's going to have a very long career at a good basketball program. Who will probably love him for life. I mean, is that that's got to be the trade off that Bryce Drew made, right?
1: I'm ta- I'm taking Scott Drew in that scenario every single time. Just sustainability, you know. And plus, it's one thing if if Bryce was really able to enjoy it in an awesome college town, but he's he's a god in Valparaiso, Indiana, like
2: yeah okay
1: yeah
2: no that's true uh i just just,
1: what is bryce drew doing right now
2: i think he's doing color commentary for espn might have to where am i that bryce drew Yeah. yeah but i mean it's just funny to see their their the differences between those two brothers i mean everyone knows bryce drew from the shot and then i think i found out or learned that scott drew was his brother maybe eight years ago which is – I mean, I've been watching college basketball for quite some time, and you just mentioned that Scott Drew has been on the sideline for Baylor for 17 years. Figure that would come up. But, uh, yeah, Baylor, uh, I think we both agree that they're a very, very solid team. Tournament time, it's going to be interesting to see their draw. I want to talk about Clemson too. Clemson with an incredible week, probably their best week under Brad Brownell ever. I'm talking strictly week. They beat Carolina in Chapel Hill for the first time ever. And then they turn around and beat Duke uh, the day after their football team lost the national title. So they were able to give themselves a top three win and also give their fan base a little bit of a uh, pick-me-up there. I actually tweeted like an asshole. You want to talk about stuff that turns to shit? This is your perfect example. Clemson was down like six or something to North Carolina in the waning couple minutes in Chapel Hill. I think there was a minute and a half or two minutes left And everyone had said coming into the game, if this is the year or if Clemson's ever going to beat Carolina on the road, this is the year. No Cole Anthony. Roy Williams basically shits on his squad every two seconds, says they're a JV team. If Brad Brownell is going to do it, it's got to be now. And they were down, Clemson was, with about two minutes to go. And I tweeted out basically saying, does Clemson even want Brad Brownell? It's almost like a Jimmy Christian situation. I mean, they're seven and seven. They they suck this year too. And I'm saying, does Clemson even want him? Clemson mounts a furious comeback. They win in Chapel Hill. Two days later, or was it a week later? I forget. Uh no, just a couple days later. Excuse me. They're at yeah, they're at home and they beat Duke. Clemson. They're not going to make the tournament, but they'll always have this week here in January.
1: I thought Brunell's reaction was way over the top. Like. It's really not that great of an accomplishment that you just did here. North Carolina is horrible. You you need to win that game. You're eight and seven going seven and seven going into that game. It's a must win, and they're horrible. And you've been at that school for ten years. You've made the tournament twice, and one of those was your first year there. So you're using Purnell's players. You're a terrible coach. So I you don't.
0: Thi-
2: Sorry, I go ahead. You
1: know, well, I just don't know. I forget what press conference I saw him give, but he was losing his mind about the, these accomplishments that he had. And that he's probably doing the right thing to kind of con- take control of the narrative. Cause you know, you know, I referenced our subject, objective person, kind of this neutral observer, watching a conversation. Well, the neutral observer in this case is looking at Clemson and thinking, all right, Brenna going to have to get fired at the end of this year because the production is just not there. And he's been there long enough. And last what, two years ago when they made the tournament, um, and they played Auburn. I remember this in the first – There were a five-seed or a four-seed, and Auburn was the, the – vice versa in the second round. And Clemson just pounded Auburn in the following years when Auburn went on to the Final Four. So I don't know why I just brought that up, but that's really the biggest I – mean, you want to talk about accomplishment. It was that game for Brunel a couple of years ago, um, winning against a horrible North Carolina team and then beating Duke at home um,
2: – well, what was his exact reaction? Like, what did he say after they beat Carolina? Didn't he say it's over? It's finally over. Yeah, something absurd. That's so bad. That's such a bad
1: look. It's over, and he's screaming it as if he's Kevin Garnett.
2: But uh... it's like it's like Steve Young, Steve Young finally winning a Super Bowl, and he says the monkeys off my back. I got Brad Brownell saying the same thing in the middle of January.
1: Yeah, I. Yep, it's over. You're right. That's that's what it is. So, congrats, Brad.
2: Well, him and him and Dabo came into head coaching roles at the same time at Clemson, right? Or relatively the same time. Dabo was promoted from interim, and then they brought in Brownell.
1: Yeah, those two kind of went in opposite directions, didn't they?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Well, so I'm not going to say complete opposite directions. It's more like a right angle right? A 90 degree angle, right? So Dabo has gone straight up okay, yeah. and and Brownells just staying level horizontally. But I mean, there's got to be no one happier about the Dabo hiring and how well he's done than Brad Brownell because his shortcomings are completely masked by the fact that Dabo's got two titles there at Clemson and uh, probably the, the, the standard for excellence in college football.
1: That is true. Uh, classic, um, Diverting attention right there for away from what your program is while all the fans care about the football team. And then it would have been nice for Brunel to Brownell, however you call it, if this happened in mid February, you know, if we did this a few weeks later while the topic wasn't, you know, all the upset fans coming home from New Orleans and wanting to just get some rest after the week. They, they do it right now and the team is nine and seven. So I think they know that they're not going too far.
2: You think Brownell kind of has a little brother syndrome? playing in the shadow of Dabo and and Clemson football. You think after that Duke win, someone probably asked him about the football team or relating it. You think after that Duke win, he was like, "You know, we're not just a football school.
1: That's probably why he was hyping it up as much as he did. But to call him a little brother of Dabo Sweeney is an insult to every single little brother out there in this world. He may be uh, the... trying to think of something that wouldn't be Step too, brother? too offensive or anything like the the youngest child of your neighbor that lives at the furthest end of the street that's what brad burnell might be to dabo sweeney age difference, massive age difference but
2: yeah i'm sure dabo also probably hates having to interact with them too yeah brad just talking shop like oh yeah i mean we're both both clemson head coaches i mean i think the similarities stop right there yeah, you know,
1: Davo, what do you think about this uh, motto I'm preaching to the team? Take the stairs, you know. We, you know, it's going to really instill a thought process of always taking the the hard way to get to the results. What do you think of that, Davo? He would probably roll his eyes at that, like I did with your boy there. Uh, what school did that guy? Say Troy in? Scott oh, Cross.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, and Brownell definitely is the kind of guy that he sits at home when the second he heard, bring your own guts from Dabo. He was like, Oh fuck. I got, I got to, I got to bring something to the table. Now he did, and he probably had some sort of knockoff like Walmart variety version of that. So, uh, but good for Clemson. Great win. Great couple wins and good for Baylor as well. Uh, moving on, Wichita state. Did you catch their game against UConn this past Sunday?
1: I did. Um, I was actually on the UConn side of that game in terms of my picks. So that was quite a finish at the end. But Utah State, dangerous team. Greg with three Gs. Something about Greg's Greg's with three Gs and coaching basketball, they know how to do it. And Wichita State's going to be dangerous because all of their guys fouled out in overtime, yet they still kept getting easy looks at the basket, playing tough defense. Vintage, vintage Shockers team right here.
2: I want to correct you real quick. You said Utah State. That's our boy, Wild Bill Sprout. Your other boy, Greg Marshall, Wichita State. I'm sorry about that. I hate Utah State. <laughs> uh, Wichita State, yeah, crazy comeback from UConn. The only reason why it was a comeback and why this game was in overtime is because of how incredibly arrogant Wichita State was. If you know us, and we've discussed this plenty of times on this on this program, Shark, when you're up three – And there's about 10 or less seconds left and you don't foul. You're an asshole. You're a complete asshole. You foul every single time in that scenario so that you force the opponent to go to the line and that they can't hit a three and Wichita state didn't do that in regulation. So the game goes to overtime. Naturally, you can hit a three to tie. It goes to overtime. This is what really pissed me off with you, Wichita state the most. Actually, did I say Utah state just now? I think you did. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, But this is what pissed me off the most about the Shockers. That's what I'm just going to say to the Shockers. In overtime, they did the exact same thing. They were up three. I love it. (laughs) No, I hate it. It was the most arrogant thing I've ever seen from a coach and, and a team. They were up three in overtime, and they have a proof positive of this not working maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes earlier, and they still don't foul. I was so pissed.
1: Arrogant is the perfect way of putting it, but I, Greg Marshall's deserves it. He he's proven he's proven himself. He's proven himself to be a great in-game coach. Now, yes, you and I both agree with it, but it reminded me of just some stubborn asshole at at a blackjack table. Like he's sitting on seventeen, and he's the last guy on the table. Let's put him at sixteen, and the dealer's showing you know, dealer's showing. Let's call it fourteen. And Greg Marshall says, Hit me, and it pisses everyone off. And then he does it again just to drive everyone crazy because he's proven himself. And it worked out for him. Uh, but it, it certainly was just the epitome of being a stubborn, I'm going to, th- th- this is my philosophy. I'm going to do it no matter what, even though I was just burned by it literally five minutes ago.
2: It was 100% the philosophy. It is, he, li- he quite literally doubled down. He did it once, did it a second time because in his heart of hearts, in his coaching philosophy, in his mind, he's saying you play it out, you play straight up defense. And he's like, you know what? If UConn hits this, then we go to a double overtime. I don't care. <laughs> like, we have a chance to clean this. I just want to see. I-, I could see Greg Marshall doing that in the tournament just to prove a point. And at at some point with almost every arrogant asshole, it's gonna bite him in the ass. And I cannot wait until that day comes. And he's got to sit in front of reporters postgame, and they ask him, hey, why didn't you foul? And he's just going to sit up there and be like, it's not my philosophy. It's not what we do here at Wichita State.
1: He would be even more a dick about it. He'd, he'd respond like Pop- Popovich would, his Greg brethren with three Gs. He would. I could totally I see him, him being one of those pricks. And, and in halftime interviews or postgame interviews or wherever you want to call it, you can just see it on his face. One other takeaway I had from that game, and it's about UConn, because I know we got a few UConn listeners. There, number three, Altariq Gilbert, terrible. That guy, he's your point guard. He made so many losing plays at the end of that game, driving to the lane and trying to do, split a fancy pass, a bounce pass right in the middle of the lane as a point guard, missing his free throws at the end of the game. Can't stand that guy. Uh, and then I tweeted this as well. That whole team, everyone on UConn, untuck shirts. Tuck your shirt in, all right. Tuck your shirt in. You do the little things big, and the big things take care of themselves, all right. Write that down, Father. You do the little things big, like tucking in your shirt, making sure you look organized on the bench, having a clean bench. Everybody's in unison, and the big things like making free throws at the end of the game and avoiding turnovers—they take care of themselves. I would that was Danny Hurley. He's got a—he's got to do something with the culture of that team right there, because they lost because of stupid, tiny mistakes. Not the untucked shirts. It's a small thing. I'm making a dumb point. But it is kind of characteristic of a team that doesn't make the right moves at the end of the game.
2: Well, I feel like that's all we've heard about Danny Hurley and UConn is the culture's changed. It's just the talent needs to come in. And once they start playing together, and I mean, what, this is only Hurley's second year, right? But I, I feel like UConn as a whole, their program for the past five years, I, mean, I feel like you could go back to like Ryan Boatwright and, and 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 onwards. You just say, well, you know, these guys just they're learning, they're growing. Ryan Boatwright's probably like twenty four right now. Yeah, right. Alteri Gilbert, he's a third year man, right? I mean, at some point, you have to expect better.
1: Weird, UConn's got a guy. I honestly thought it was Brian Boatwright was still there, but it's James Booknight. So they got a lot of a lot of knights over there, uh, but it's probably pronounced differently. Whatever, but I. Again, I don't want to sound like this old school, old school mentality of you know, not tucking in your shirt and all that, but it just shows individualistic personalities.
2: Like you're not playing as a team. Tuck your got tuck your frickin shirt. I mean, it's it's very much a boomer thing to say, and I'm not going to say okay, boomer, because that joke is already passed, and it would make me in turn sound like a boomer. I would have nailed that joke if the roles were
1: reversed right now. No, you.
2: that's why you're a boomer. That's <laughs> the point I'm making.
1: I am notoriously late to the joke
2: and great. and just pop culture things i mean i remember a couple of years ago i asked you about despacito and you looked at me or texted me back like i had three heads or something it's a great song i know it is but i was shocked that you were on it
1: <laughs>
2: i find my lanes where i can get ahead
1: of the game every once in a while like uh the song and i know you want to switch to the next topic next topic but the wyclef john wyclef john song um, some live for the bill some kill for the bill that one i was on that before everyone i discovered i literally discovered that song i don't know I how I, I did it you did i was on that why clef and acon that uh, one of my strongest accomplishments in the mid-2000s
2: at one point i think you self-described yourself as irv Gotti for that song i thought you had maybe one other maybe it was a mirage song or something
1: oh i could have been on a mirage yeah
2: Yeah. It took me a while to realize that his album, Mr. A to Z, was his last name. Poetry. Yeah, exactly. Uh earlier this week, some two great games on Tuesday, and it gave me a shitload of anxiety. Let me tell you why. It was remote control stress. RCS. This is a new medical condition that I've now brought to the forefront here of, uh, of college basketball. Fandom, DePaul and Villanova, and also. Maryland versus Wisconsin. We discussed Maryland versus Wisconsin earlier in the program, but DePaul Villanova had an equally great finish. DePaul came charging back on the road at Nova to almost force overtime, but uh, they ended up coming up short. But here's why this was RCS remote control stress is because this was the rare unicorn occasion where two games were within one point and they had the exact same amount of time left. I mean, there were stoppages at nine seconds and nine seconds in both games, and both games were pretty close to coming back from timeout. So I had to make a decision. I went for Brad Davison, and luckily I think there was an extra timeout in the DePaul-Villanova game. But this was just a primer for for the tournament, but I wasn't expecting it here in January.
1: Yeah, this has been something we've discussed from the beginning of the show when we first started this back in what? eight or fall of 18 father. Yep. Or nine, or whatever that was, you got to have good clicker fingers. You got to be quick on the quick on the clicker. You got to be able to anticipate timeouts. You got to be able to have a feel for when the other game that you were just watching is leaving the timeout. You got to know how long commercials are. You got to know when to hop in and when to hop out. So in a situation like this, you know, the ideal scenario for, I'm not gonna, trying to be mean to you Father, but you got to get a system where you can be watching another game, the very least on an iPad. Get a, get a tablet. Wire into your cable system. Be able to keep up. You're going to have a little lag, so try to stay off Twitter as that's happening. Can't but do you, that, though. That's the open. thing. I know you're a tweeting man. I know you're a tweeting man.
2: Not a tweeting man, just a
1: man who tweets. Thank you for the correction. But you need to be able to bounce back, be everywhere at once. It's 2020 right now all right, it's 2020. We are not limited to our living room. We got to be everywhere. You got to have boots on the ground here. You got to have boots on the ground over there. And that means being able to have a great clicker finger. That's the fundamentals of what we do right here, being able to change the channel quickly. And again, boys and potentially girls, you got to be able to go from true TV to TNT in the snap of a finger. You got to have a field over for when to go back to CBS and whatever Jim Nance is talking about. You got to know when to bounce up to TBS. This is what we're training for, all right. This is what the whole point of this is right now is being ready for that. So mm-hmm. you got to do it right now on ESPN two and ESPNU, going from Jimmy Dykes over to um, Dick was- Vitale or anyone like that. This is where you get your repetitions in
2: reps. See the man, see the ball type defense, huh?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: No, it, it, it's, it's a fair point. I do have a setup. I have my work computer. To your point about switching back and forth, though, my previous cable provider, Cox, had this perfect feature. So when you click last, instead of going automatically to the last channel, it would bring up your last, like, 10 channels.
1: Yeah, yeah, Com, Comcast, Xfinity, they do that now, too.
2: RCN doesn't have that, man. I'm going straight off the dome. I think I'm going to have to build a directory or something it's like for home- the
1: you got like a hotel setup pretty much pretty much you're yeah. blind, you're blindly going back to whatever the last channel was
2: well i mean no now luckily i i've now started to build the memory of oh. you know i have i've have like a rolodex of the pertinent uh, uh channels but and everyone makes the same tired ass joke every single time the tournament comes around is oh what channel's true tv on i i got to put that into my brain cuz cool. i don't know true tv's channel off the top of my head do you have the voice control? Like, can you push the little button say put on this channel. This is the most basic shit ever. Like, I got all the channels, but in terms do you, of,
1: do you have HD TV?
2: I do. I have HD TV, but in terms of functionality, in terms of user friendliness, RCN has, you know what? To to put it in corporate speak, a lot of opportunity, A lot of opportunity. I'm not going to say they suck. That's There's just a lot of opportunity.
1: Sounds horrible. I would expect that type of amenities in the cable package for, like, Mongolia or something. You're, you're in Chicago. I mean, how can you not be able to preview what your five last channels were? I can do it for, like, my last ten channels. So whenever I'm watching something I shouldn't be watching, like maybe a little girl's trip for the seventh time this year. Love that movie. We know I love that movie. Why is that populating again? you got to get it off the screen. So that's when you go you go to another channel, like, five times in a row, and you accidentally push this one so you can clean out the history. A little tip for you.
2: Well, you know, this is just uh... – this is putting fur on my peaches right now, all right? And to to quote a man that we've already quoted today, those who take shortcut those who take the elevator aka those who have the 10 previous channels are looking for shortcuts. And at this level there's no room for shortcuts. I'm taking the stairs. I'm memorizing the channel numbers. Oh. Me and Scott Cross. Did, I might take Troy and, does, and
1: that, does that get you ready to run through a wall right there?
2: Would you just say, coach? Yeah, it does. I might take Troy and, and Jerome this upcoming year. Yeah.
1: We'll, we'll uh, get there when we get there.
2: Uh, I want to end with the Bluegrass State, Louisville. They're my toxic relationship, father. That is, Everyone's had a toxic relationship in the past where the sex is just so good, but you're just bad for each other. I've actually personally never had that, but <laughs> you just you're just bad for each other. It's terrible, and, and if I were to liken it to a theater reference, it's the breakup with Vince Vaughn and, and Jennifer Aniston. And so it's Gary Grabowski, played by Vince Vaughn, and I am Brooke Myers, played by Jennifer Aniston. If you know the film, you know that they start out great, um, but over the course of time, you know they, they're just bad for each other. Vince Vaughn is lazy. He's fat. He's a slob. He's disorganized. He's messy. Brooke, on the other hand, is making every single effort that she can to correct this relationship, to have people over to be clean. And that's how I feel. I feel like I'm Brooke right now in my relationship with Louisville because Louisville's playing nail biters against Pitt. They're going to the wire with Notre Dame. They're just playing sloppy. They're they're not putting in the effort that I feel like needs to be reciprocated for a guy that picked Jordan Awara ACC player of the year for a guy that has them winning the ACC title for a guy that loves Chris Mack. This right now, me and Louisville, it's the breakup. Now, another reason why this is the breakup is because, you know, we're not going to end in a fiery death. I don't want it to be, well, you had mentioned it was another Vince Vaughn film with Isla, Isla Fisher. I don't want it to be a Jeremy Gray and uh, I forget what, what, Gloria. I don't want it to be that. I don't want to marry the broad. I'm not taking Louisville to win the whole thing probably. But much like the breakup, at the very end, they're cordial. I'm cordial with Louisville. But it's getting to a point where I might have to break up with them. Within this
1: analogy, metaphor, whatever it is right here, if I can play a role, can I play the role of Jennifer Aniston's brother? Come, come. Come, come. Gary on the kick drum. Come. Gary, Gary. Can
2: I be that guy? Yeah. I mean, I need some – you you can be the brother, yes, because I need some sort of extra motivation for
1: Louisville. I just want to be there observing the whole thing blow up in flames because, you know, I haven't been supportive of Louisville all of the year, and I guess Louisville in this scenario is Vince Vaughn, Gary, in the breakup. And in the movie, Jennifer Aniston's brother ends up fighting Gary for hitting him or getting in a little fight right there. So I, I wouldn't mind doing that because I don't like Louisville. I don't like Gary.
2: Gary on the kick drum, come, come, come. <laughs> All right? I'm that guy. Uh, this is good. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I, any sort of extra motivation that you can give. I guess it didn't motivate Gary. He just continued to be an I'm asshole.
1: Not, yeah, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I just don't like Louisville. So,
2: But this is just how I see it ending. I mean, I, I think Louisville's still going to win the ACC. I'm still sticking with them. Right now, we're probably at the part where they're blowing up at each other after dinner. They're still hashing it out. They haven't completely broken up just yet. The team,
1: the team is a little soft for my liking. However, I will I was very against them calling them soft from the outset. I said Jordan Nora is kind of a finesse guy. I still stand by that. I am impressed with Enoch on Louisville. Enoch's a ball player. He went into Lexington with big bucket after big bucket. Great little baby hook that he's got there. So there is a little bit more toughness in Louisville than I thought. However, I'm still off him.
2: I said Enoch is going to have to produce for them to be winning games. No Enoch, this team would be severely overrated at yeah. this point. He's a ball player. Sticking in the bluegrass state, like I had mentioned, I want to make a bold prediction. You know Kentucky's one of my teams. I actually think they just went down to South Carolina on the road where they seem to have crazy amount of trouble. But no, that doesn't mean my picks turn to shit. Um, Kentucky's my boys. I love them. But I think muscle milk. Is going to beat them on Saturday at home in Arkansas. Muscle Milk secretly, quietly putting together a great season there uh, at Arkansas, thirteen and two as we speak.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Muscle. This is just vintage Muscle Milk comes in, super excited, bringing his, you know, he's a smaller energy guy, like really reinvigorate the program. They're probably going to have a good year. They're probably going to make the tournament, and then they're going to fall apart because he runs people into the ground. It's not a sustainable style, and then he's probably going to – maybe it works out longer than it did at Nevada for him, but this this plays right into his formula, into his playbook of hitting you early in the muscle milk tenure. I don't know how he's going to recruit. That's going to be a big, big thing for him because he's used to just doing it with transfers, but now he's at an institution that can actually allow him to – that has a pedigree associated with it. So we'll see how it works. I like muscle milk, but – didn't like him last year and i was right about that
2: he really is the tom Thibodeau of college coaching huh just runs his guys into the
1: ground I'm trying to think of a good theater example for him just like way too high like a rob Lowe and parks and rec you know you know good looking like, guy too yeah yeah like kind of just way too positive all the time like get out of my face rob Lowe slash muscle milk but probably if rob Lowe were his whatever his title was in that small Pawnee town, if Rob Lowe, yeah, city manager if Rob Lowe moves to your city. I bet within that first year of Rob Lowe being, bringing this positivity and his energy, that city's going to do great. But then like three years later, that city, everyone's gonna be like, all right, fucking guy over here, making me take the stairs left and right. Why why don't you slow down a little bit? I don't want to do that anymore. And it's going to revert back to the norm.
2: Rob Lowe and Ben Wyatt did pull them out of a bankruptcy though. Yeah, that's what Muscle Milk's trying to do there at Arkansas. I don't know how bankrupt they were. Like Mike Anderson. Oh, they were be- literally no, I'm saying they yeah. were Oh, Arkansas. Yeah. I thought you were checking yeah. me on parks and rec. No. I would never do that. Thank you, Father. All right. Before we wrap this up, let's get a quick word from our guy Zach at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, Shark, let's end this with hugs and also where am I? First, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? The floor is yours.
1: So this week's where am I? Everybody remembers this guy. Uh, we remember this guy because he performed. Oops, sorry, just burped right there. He performed at the highest stage, the championship game. Nobody really knew who he was. It was in 2013. His name is Spike Albrecht. Obviously, played for Michigan in that game. He lit it up, 17 points in that first half. However, they did go on to lose. No big deal. But the reason I wanted to bring up Spike Albrecht is because everyone knows after that he went on to Purdue as a grad transfer. He played for Purdue for a little bit, but where did he go after that? Um, if you were a betting man, you probably would have guessed he'd go into the Greg Paulus type coaching pipeline, which he actually had a cup of coffee doing at first. He did that for a little bit. He did it. At, I think it's his alma mater. It's in Massachusetts, the Northfield Mount Hermon School. And I'm only going off his Twitter at this point. He's from Indiana, but he went to high school there. And then, I, according to his Twitter, he was an assistant coach there for a little bit. But you know how we do these where MIs. We dig deeper. All right. Albrecht wasn't just always this guy that was went right, in, right into coaching. He didn't go play overseas. Um, actually, he might have, but I didn't go that deep. I went, I went deep to figure out where his career <laughs> was. So I pulled him up on LinkedIn. And when you look at his LinkedIn, you can find Michael. That's his name on LinkedIn Parentheses spike. So he's, you know, kind of subtly hitting that all of us it's, it, it's me. It's me guys. Albrecht. He's the distributor sales specialist at Abbott. He's been there for 11 months. So he started in March of 2019. He's also got his little, the CEO finder of get better LLC, which seems like to be some type of uh, basketball training, specific training, which is cool, but he's a sales specialist at Abbott. Now, Abbott, you're going to have to do a little bit more of a search, but it's a, a hospital and healthcare in Abbott Park, Illinois. They're a healthcare leader. They help people live more fully. Uh, I don't know what exactly he does. He's probably selling something for them specifically, but I, he's the kind of guy. I'm Spike Albrecht. Oh, I did this. Remember when I the tournament game? I, I'd buy anything from him. I'd buy a steth- stethoscope if, that, if that's what he's selling right now. Um, but I wanted to see if he was actually marketing himself in that way. So I scrolled down. Everyone, we all got LinkedIn's. I looked at his LinkedIn and when he was at Michigan for accomplishments, it's no, I was on the dean's list. There was no honor rolls, no clubs. It said I was on the basketball team. I played in the final four in 2013. I won the Big Ten championship in 14 and I was the captain in 15 and 16. But he doesn't make reference to that first half. So he's humble. He's humble about not making him throwing himself out there but he just knows that we're all gonna remember so that's where spike what spike albrecht's been up to kind of a thorough linkedin page i got a lot of insight from this but
2: it's kind of nice that spike albrecht's not like somewhere in the finance world just sitting in a cube
1: well this could very much be a a cube type scenario oh i
2: thought i just picture spike in the field or something well I guess,
1: I don't know, I don't know enough about what Abbott does. I'm kind of, you ever seen the movie Love and Other Drugs with Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, no. You haven't seen that with Anne Hathaway? No. kidding me? He's like running around the country selling Viagra, falls in love with Hathaway, Hathaway has cancer, love st- beautiful love story. Um, you know, Gyllenhaal was just kind of like this, you know, boy toy, kind of a dick. Uh, womanizer type figure and then halfway humbles him a little bit but he's selling Viagra. it's the pharmaceutical world but anyways I'm kind of picturing that for spike Albrecht right now
2: I feel like a lot of pharmaceutical sales is done in the field I mean, that's that's why I'm just picturing
1: yeah. it. I mean but he could be a cube guy he's, he's he's either a cube guy or he's Jake Gyllenhaal selling viagra
2: yeah uh, you know what he also needs to add to his LinkedIn is hollering at kate Upton I think right after that game, or maybe after they won their Final Four game, he tweeted at her trying to trying to holler at Kate Upton, which was, at that point, pretty hilarious for a, a short little kid who's hit a bunch of shots to do, uh, to a supermodel of that standard. But I mean, now Kate Upton and Spike Albrecht, where where are they? Huh? <laughs> Glad we got that, it. though. That's
1: the, where am I at as always, if you guys have any people that we want to do a shout out to a little mini investigation into a little freshener about what they've been up to, please reach out in the past. We've done,
2: um,
1: you know, we've done Jai Lewis recently from George Mason,
2: Connor, actually Connor Tien. I'm big Connor guy. Sue so gets the Connors.
1: We we've been all over the place. So we're, we're, we're finding a pits. Noggle. We hit recently. Mm-hmm. Who, who was the inaugural one? For?
2: I think it was Tehan No,
1: no, it was one. It was one that I did. I forgot who it was,
2: but yeah, if you have any recommendations, please reach out to us. Let's wrap this up now with hugs. I'll go ahead. My first hug, my only hug, I should say is for Wyoming. Wyoming is winless in conference play. I think they're a dismal five and 13 or five and 14 now. Uh, but my hug goes to them because they almost beat Nevada two nights ago in Reno. Um, uh, And so this is kind of a hug where I'm also going to simultaneously shit on Steve Alford, but Wyoming played them very tough, played them incredibly well down to the wire. They lost only by one point. I just feel for a team that is five and 13 and hasn't won a conference game just yet. It'll come at some point, I'd assume, but at the same time, Steve Alford, man. And we talked about Eric Musselman, what he he's done with Arkansas. We already know what he did at Nevada, turning them into a top 10 team at one point. And Alford just comes in and completely undoes it. Now you could make the argument that that's directly correlated with the loss of Jordan Caroline and the Martin brothers. Fine. But Steve Alford, not a good coach was seconds away from losing to a winless conference team in Wyoming. Uh, So again, my hug for Wyoming is probably going to be overshadowed with for, with my disdain for Steve Alford, who's just toiling away in Reno after having uh, a lengthy job at, at UCLA. Uh, that is my hug. Kind of an odd hug.
1: Inti on the hug right there. My hug is kind of a different type of hug. My hug's blue note bourbon. What, what the hell, man? We need we need a new sponsor for the show. So if you want to g- come sponsor our show, I'd love to give you a hug. Free hugs. That's Noteless. Uh,
2: yeah, we no longer no longer with Blue Note, but uh, at some point we got to try their bourbon. To be honest with you,
1: uh, we're open to other bourbon. I like Jameson. If Jameson's listening to this right here, uh, Bombay Sapphire. I'm a fan of that. Isn't that gin? That is gin. So I, I switched switched <laughs> type right on you but if mr jameson or mr sapphire listen we we got an opening at the show with your name on it
2: yep all right well that'll do it for us thank you again for listening we will catch you next time on theater and college hoops